This is the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. Welcome back to the PSA Podcast, where we deep dive into the business of technology and automation. I'm Marty Wolf, and with me in the studio today is Mike McHale, the CEO of Production Systems Automation, or PSA. Right, Michael? Good afternoon, Marty. I'm thrilled you're here with me. Thanks for having and Thanks for being with us. And we have an exciting guest that you've teed up for us. And joining us via Skype is our PSA podcast guest, Joseph Callahan. Joe, welcome to the PSA podcast. Well, thank you very much. Happy to be here. So, Mike, let's start with you, man. Um, Joseph Callahan is the chairman of Seawright Companies, and they're based in the Philadelphia region. So, Mike, um, where did all this start? Where did, where did this connection with Joe Callahan and Seawright Companies start? And why do you want them here? What, what are we going to talk about? So we're going to talk about Joe's technology and how Joe developed his technology, starting at Drexel, moving out of Drexel into the HVAC business. And I met Joe uh, 20 years ago. Joe, probably 20 years now at this yeah, point? Yeah, it seems it's definitely 20. It has to be 20. It's 20 Maybe years. It could be a year. It could be 21. Yeah, it could be 21 years. So we started, when I started at LF Driscoll in Philadelphia, I met Joe because Joe was one of our suppliers of HVAC equipment. Hmm. And Joe's business at that time was kind of just starting. Joe, when did you start uh, Tri-State HVAC? So we started Tri-State in 1996. And that was the year after uh, I resigned from York International. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So, so, you, so the company was still growing when I met you at that point. You were still, you know, Tri-State was still a, still a growing, thriving business. Um, and it's a much larger business today. And, you know, what I'd like you to talk about, Joe, is how you, how you spun C-Right kind of out of, your, out of the technology of your, your sales and your HVAC business. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for the, um, for the question in the intro. It's, you know, they say that my mother, you know, necessity is the uh, invent, you know, mother nature or what's, what's that expression? Mother of invention, right? Of all inventions, right? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it was, um, you know, the, the foundation of, of Seawright really started when I, uh, I was at York International and they did not have any uh, information systems for managing projects or sales or activity. Everything was paper-based and I was astonished because I'd been around computers my, you know, for a better part of my whole life, you know, since I was you know, 11, 12 years old. And um, I get there and, you know, they have fax machines and uh, they've got a Burroughs Word processor for typing proposals, but nothing <laughs> else was done, you know, in any, any means of being organized digitally. So I wound up grabbing a 386 and plopping a uh, Lotus database system you know, on it and started to build out the organization of customers and projects and what we term today as players. And they're the, the influencers that drive projects to a, to an outcome, but they're not necessarily the, the customer who applied systems are typically sold to. So I started building it at, at, um, while at York, you know, then, um, you know, that was in 93. So build it up for a couple of years. And then I had people interested in the technology started licensing it to others and then wound up leaving York to bring that technology and acquire what was a, you know, a struggling small, you know, rep business in the Philadelphia marketplace, injected the technology into this small $4 million a year business and 
you know, grew it at a compounded rate of, you know, 15, some years we did 50% growth. So today it's a hundred million dollar business with a, with a backbone of information technology that is its true differentiator because of the visibility of thousands of projects in real time. And what are the drivers that cause decisions to be made in a complex capital equipment applied sales process? So it's been a long, been a long road, but, um, so Joe, just so that I'm clear, um, I get it, and I looked you up. But exactly what does Tri-State HVAC do or sell? Yeah, so Tri-State is, um, you know, by terms of definition in the industry, it would be referred to as a uh, manufacturer's rep. So it it handles exclusively representation for manufacturers that do not want to sell direct through a sales force. Mm. Uh, now, and there's manufacturer reps in all industries. I mean, there's manufacturer reps in the food industry and uh, in technology for, you know, chipset manufacturers and in fashion, et cetera. But in the applied equipment industry, you know, it's not just your skill sets as a salesperson. You really have to be a degreed engineer mm. and have, to, and have to have value that you can bring technology into an equation that, you know, identifies the needs and the interests of the interested party An interested party being the owner, whether that owner be the university of Pennsylvania whether it be Comcast, Thomas Jefferson University. So you have to bring technology from the manufacturers to educate the designers on what makes the most appropriate decision from a capital cost standpoint and an operating cost. So you have to balance and do a simple regression analysis and say which, you know, which product or which system makes the most sense. And, these and then are, the system gets specified. And these are primarily huge or I'll call them large commercial systems, correct? Yeah, they're very large, and they're referred to as applied systems. Not okay. it would be a, it would be a level above a commercial it. system. Got it's it. really where an institution is really focused on reliability, efficiency, and total cost of ownership and maintenance and service, et cetera. Commercial still is driven, unfortunately, by lowest first cost. Mm, now, you okay. know, with the green green building initiative over the past decade, you know, we've we've seen a lot of the changes from a regulation and the you know, requirements for ASHRAE to require more efficient buildings. Yep, but Yep. Well, let's let's even back up, okay, Mike. If I, I I'd sure. like to know the whole. So, Cright, um, Cright dot com, I think is the website for this company. C i r i g h t. Is that the umbrella company? Explain to me when you started Cright, and I guess there's a whole bunch of companies or platforms under that. <laughs> yeah. So, so the inception of Cright. So, you know, I was sitting on the beach with my wife, and I ran back to get sandwiches. And uh, I, to this day, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, I get back to get sandwiches, and I'm in the deli standing there waiting to order the sandwiches. And there's a, a rack of magazines on the shelf, and there's a pen computing magazine. And I'm like, pen computing? I've been around computers my whole life here. I don't know what the heck's a pen computer. So I grabbed it, grabbed the magazine. I still have it today. And I go down to the beach, and I, I, I read it cover to cover. And at this point in time, I'd already started two other businesses. So this would this is now my, my third company in three years, and I'm still employed by York International. <laughs> and I and I look at my wife and I said, I'm starting another business. And she's like, she's like, what? I said, you're not going to believe how the world's going to change. I said, mm-hmm. we are all going to be carrying digital tablets, and we're going to be reconciling and posting directly to the general ledger in real time. All of the inefficiencies of business and paper are going to be eliminated. I mean, it's going to be an unbelievable new world, and we're going to start a company. And the company we started was Viewpoint Software. 
It was mm. not C-Rite. We changed the name to C-Rite okay. about, about eight years later. So, you know, we started Viewpoint and we started building an API stack on top of DOS to be able to digitize forms and post, you know, CSV data, you know, directly into a system that, you know, they would go into middleware and they would, they would post into, you know, various backend systems that, you know, were the legacy industry companies that were, mm-hmm. were driving business. And we did it for Bell Atlantic. We did it for, for Thomas Jefferson, for Merck, for, I mean, down the list when I mean, we did, you know, 400 applications over 10 years. What I didn't realize was that it was going to take 20 years for tablets to become mm-hmm. ubiquitous and, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, to be everywhere. So industry first adopted it, you know, the, you know, the, the blue shirt um, technicians in the field that needed, needed data and needed deposit data. And now we've seen over the past decade, you know, the, you know, immense distribution of tablets and iPads and, you know, devices, et cetera. Yeah, so I'm. That's how, that's how it all started. I'm looking back. I'm looking at some information that uh, that I read about you, and it says uh, customers advancing these advanced technologies included Merck, FedEx, Pepsi, Amtrak, Airgas, City of Philadelphia, and more. Simply said, we built apps before they are known as apps. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, yeah. that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we were we were one of the original um, developers of the Bitmap Signature Capture API, which was all written in you know low level machine and binary that stored each signature on the device as it was, as it was captured. Wow. So. Joe, uh, how do you want people to connect with you when you want them on which website and kind of tell us where, uh, you know, we've got some people interested. Where do you want people to connect with you? Oh yeah. So the, I mean, if you go right to cwrite.com, you know, there's a contact us form there. You pick the, pick the reason you're trying to contact us and then that gets routed to the appropriate department inside the company. You know, you don't have to send us an email. It, it posts right into the environment. So that there's an automatic, you know, feedback loop for people following up. I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if anybody finds me on LinkedIn, I, you know, I, I accept most uh, requests there. Um, and uh, I can always be uh, contacted, you know, via email. Yeah. Well, thank you for accepting my LinkedIn request. I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. All right. So, Joe, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with C right now and some of the companies that kind of play in the industrial space that PSA would play in, for instance, like we're, we're, we're doing the, uh, you know, we're part of trying to roll out, um, a system with that, that Joe's part of uh, smart text. It's a heads up display, um, for industrial use. He's a co-founder and CTO of that. And that hangs on, on your platform. What other type of, um, applications or companies do you have right now on your, uh, on, on your backbone? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So we, you know, so the company went through, really three different evolutions or, or stages. You know, we first were, a, you know, a hired gun. We did contract work and, you know, we were just, we would deliver the source code and, you know, we would move on to the next project. We then, you know, after, you know, almost 10 years of doing that in the early 2000s, we then became a software as a service company, right? So we went out there and competed with the big boys, you know, for people to subscribe to, you know, various applications all through one common monolithic core, the back end. About eight years ago, we changed our business model to what we term as a technology equity partnership. So we companies contact us. They either have a Skunk Works project that they want to spin out of their business. They've got an idea. They've got a concept on where they see this digital transformation taking place. And then, you know, we sit down and negotiate, you know, a, a license where we bring our technology all to the table in return for equity. And we commence that new initiative. Now, when we do that, our interests are aligned. 
because we are committed to the success of that company and we're not just looking at it for cash flow for development services. It enables us to bring that company to market in less than six months and enables us to bring it to market for a fraction of the cost of what it would take on any other you know, custom development environment. Hmm. So the, the monolithic core is all our own IP. We have over a million man hours of development in it. So it, we look at companies in the, in the business service and industrial space, healthcare, fintech, and digital media. So the business service and industrial space, you know, we have several companies, but you know, the one uh, which Mike referenced is Smartex, and it's in reality for service automation and safety. So workflow management. So as a technician stands in front of the machine, the system identifies who the technician is, identifies the machine and the steps in the workflow from a safety standpoint or from an inspection standpoint or a repair standpoint, allow the technician to be very proficient at getting accomplished the task at hand. Mm -hmm. It is fully integrated with a remote expert so they can essentially phone a friend. That goes back to their network. You know, it could include a third party who knows the machine or, or the reference. And it's just about time. I mean, time is money. You know, if you can save time, you know, the first call fixes, the technician gets out there. He may be, it's his first time seeing the machine. He mm. shows up at the machine. Now he has a full history of all of the other technicians who were there before him. And he can understand, you know, what parameters were changed, what were, what sensors were changed, what variables were, were reset. Again, just to get the machine back online. Cause most of these machines, they're tied to a revenue line of some other entity. Yeah, and and just to collaborate on that, how how it's how PSA is interacting with C right and and Smartex is that our idea is, in, if a machine does go down at your factory in say South Carolina or Tennessee, instead of waiting two or three days for us to get a technician there, you're able to put on the Smartex um, heads up display, call into our office, and have our engineers on the phone with you within you know ten minutes, a half hour mm. versus days. Now they can see what you're seeing. We can dial in, see the PLC, see the robots, see whatever 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 systems connect it, and then help troubleshoot and resolve. And hopefully that that's going to be quicker to market and also way cheaper than us having to send a technician for basically a week um, on the road. We lose production from from our people. They're losing production in your factory, and that's you know very important for us and our customers. So you know, using C rights, I think, going to be a, a big win for us on systems that uh, we're not we're not in a drivable distance to. Mm. Interesting. Joe, is there a, you mentioned healthcare. Uh, obviously you're in manufacturing. Is there anything special going on in your world in terms of healthcare? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm understanding you're yeah. saying, you know, talk to me about healthcare. Yeah, so we're focused in the healthcare space. We're focused in the operating room. And, you know, there's a, there's an epidemic currently in, in the U.S. operating rooms, and it's not being talked about. And it's, you know, infections that are caused by airborne bacteria. So our technology allows for the cleaning of the air and the maintaining of an, a sterile environment in real time, such that we eliminate airborne infections, you know, in an operating room. Mm. Um, we've, been, we've been at this for a little over two decades. You know, we've got 300 operating rooms throughout the U.S. And a traditional codes and standards in America, they only require an environment for the air to be changed 20 times an hour. What does that mean? That means you have an environment that has anywhere between 350 and 450 colony 
forming units. Mm. You know, so a CFU is a, it's an airborne bacterium, and that single bacterium could wind up inside your femur or your acetabulum, and it could sit there and grow for two years. You know, with the moisture and the nutrients from your body until you actually wind up with an infection, and at that point, it's catastrophic because you know there's there's no real way to to fight the infection. It's it's a deep wound sepsis. You know, so, and, and Joe, I just want to want to let our, our, our listeners, um, if they want to hear more about that, they could look they could look up your TED talk. How could they find your TED talk oh, on this? Just, I mean, yeah, just type, just put in Joe Callahan TED talk, and I think it's the number one you know return in Perfect. Google. Perfect. Everybody well, wants it. I, it was a very, very interesting talk by Joe. Yeah, um, I watched it this morning in yeah. preparation for this uh, yeah. call today. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. Yeah. Um, so let's talk talent. Um, I'm reading another quote. See, you got to put if you put this stuff out there, people read it, Joe. So <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you put out there. So so this says <laughs> technology is our passion. And we fill our team with the industry's most talented and skilled inventors, developers, engineers, designers, communicators, marketers, trainers, and leaders. From our perspective, our story has just begun. So talent is important uh, to you. How do you find your talent? How do you develop your talent? Um, talk to me about that. Yeah, it's a great, uh, great, great question. I mean, people are without a doubt, the most critical component of our business. And, you know, where the individual has to have a right mindset, um, they have to be curious, they've got to be passionate, they've got to be self-motivated. Uh, we, we do a strong recruiting effort across, you know, predominantly we're focused in the, in the Philadelphia market. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so we, we have a tendency to, uh, lean towards Drexel University for a lot of our talent. Uh, we've got probably a dozen, you know, Drexel alumni spread across uh, the companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and we put them on a we put them on a path, you know, to understand and learn all of our technology, all of our uh, our systems. And then it's a, an entrepreneurial environment where they can, you know, lead their own initiative, you know, for equity. Uh, and we we try to hire for life. Mm. We measure every, we measure everyone's contribution. We're very flexible in our work environment. It's more like a, a family than a business. Now we're only 140 employees globally, mm-hmm. but uh, our our attrition rate is you know people don't leave right, um, and and we're very very keen on focusing on their needs, their needs you know you know intellectually, their needs you know you know physically, their needs you know emotionally, and. Uh, People don't work for a company, you know. They work for the leader right. you know, of their depart of their department. Yeah. And as long as you can be respectful and, and courteous and uh, and hold people accountable, right, in the, in the right way, mm-hmm. and lead by lead by example, you know, there's really nothing you can't accomplish today with you know with the right tools and process in place. Joe, let me ask you a tough question. Uh, you've heard it before. So uh, we hear continuously the Internet of Things, AI, machine learning, go on and on and on, um, are replacing people. And quite frankly, I'm assuming, and you can give a better answer to this than I can, that the technology that you're talking about and helping others implement, how is that impacting people and how is that impacting companies? Another great question. Yeah, so uh, so we look at people um, – in, in a way that every organization needs the following people. 
and I say people are profiles in their in their in their company. You need scouts that are out there looking for new opportunities. You need hunters that once the opportunities are identified, they can hunt and they can close that relationship. You need farmers right. okay, that, are, that work with the existing companies to bring new products and services through that relationship. You need fishermen because now the fish are just jumping in the boat and someone's got to be there to catch it. And the last is the surfer. And the surfer is the individual whose job was eliminated because of some workflow process automation. Mm-hmm. And then you have to figure out is can we can we turn that surfer into a hunter or can we turn that mm-hmm. surfer into a farmer or a fisherman or a scout? So it's about identifying the individuals that when their jobs are going to be replaced by some automation, can you take that person and apply them in an area of need? And this is a this is a huge it's gonna be a huge impact on our economy. The number of jobs for which will be displaced are going to be offset by all of the new opportunities that are out there that companies have to fill. So if, if a company is not assessing their human capital as they're deploying you know, the automations and solutions, that's something that they really need to be prioritized and focused on. You know, Joe, that's a great, great explanation because, you know, this is, you know, Joe's talking kind of from the software side, but this is the same explanation on the hardware side. If we deploy a robot in the PSA business, um, you know, those those employees are being moved to other applications in the facility that are underemployed, mm-hmm. um, unsafe. Yeah. Um, so we're really not displacing or 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 eliminating mm-hmm. personnel. They're mm-hmm. being moved to other things. You know, so on the te- whether you're on the hard on the on the software side or on the hardware side, it's basically the same concept. And after all, companies are looking for productivity and profitability, and technology often can. Uh, can help with that. I'm, I'm assuming that your companies, uh, you've used technology to grow a profitable company um, because you knew how to do it. And uh, and again, there's no secret that, uh, you know, you're not going to have extra people. <laughs> Is it okay to say it that way, Joe? <laughs> you don't, you don't want to be heavy on the people. Kind of brutal, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> kind of brutal, but let's, let's address it. You don't want to be top-heavy on the people, but technology is really there to improve. And ever, I love the idea of a surfer. Surf, yeah. I, yeah. I love that. I can't. So I, can, I don't swim so you, well, you, so I'm you, not a surfer. If you plot those profiles through an organization, uh-huh. uh, it kind of looks like a wave. You've got the scouts, and then you have a third of your company you know, hunting, and then you've got the farmers and the fishermen, and then the surfers way down on the right. Yeah. So it kind of looks like a wave. That's why that's why we said a surfer. Interesting. So, so Joe, what are what are you seeing as the next big trends in IoT? How's it how's it going to affect C right? How's it going to affect the world? What are, what are the, what's the next big thing? You know, if if we were going to have to go buy a stock tomorrow of the next big thing, what's the stock to buy? <laughs> um. Well, we're not public, so you can't buy our stock. Um, <laughs> I, I, so I would, um, you know, I think in, in general, uh, if you break it down by its by its components, you know, if you look at um, first starting with IoT, you know, and it's a very broad term, but any of the companies that are focused on the application layer and not the device or the network layer. You know, devices are commodities, networks are commodities. It's the application layer that has leverage uh, and they, and they want to consider. So the devices and the hardware, you know, it's, 
you know, the sensors are, are they're commoditized, unfortunately, mm. you know, the, um, so from an IOT standpoint, it's about normalizing the data, right? How do you normalize the data? And then how do you ingest the data so that it can be meaningful for an algorithm to run against it and make a decision so that, for example, let's say we have uh, 4,000 heat pumps spread across five buildings downtown Philadelphia. Well, if all of those 4,000 heat pumps across those five, billions, five buildings are all communicating in real time, you know, they're, they're reporting back their head pressure, their temperatures, their flow. Now you can identify a head pressure that's rising on one of those heat pumps, right? So now that, that, that head pressure is rising, it's inevitable that that heat pump's going to trip on some safety or some cycling alarm, okay? Now, before it trips, the, the AI system will push a notification out to possibly the five contractors that are the authorized contractors, you know, to service that building. Maybe it's the 40 technicians that are in that area okay, that can service that. And they can all respond in real time. Say, oh, I can get there and check it out in an hour, in two hours. And I can get there and I'm going to charge you, yeah, I'm going to charge you $149 an hour. I'm going to charge you $300 an hour. And they can bid their time in real time. Somebody comes in the lowest price with their reputation. That technician then gets dispatched to service the machine. I mean, if you don't think that the Uber model is not going to come to every sector of every industry mm. it's going to happen because human nature you know is there's going to be an individual that's going to be willing to provide that service directly for a more competitive cost than some mm. company you know at, at the helm so any of the companies that are focused on the on the service automation or the you know the service efficiencies or you know the normalization of, of the data so that it's meaningful data and data is the new gold if you have the data and you can run the algorithms against it, that's where the value is. So, Joe, do you think the micro-company idea or the idea of being an Uber driver or, or working when you want to work, you think that micro-company idea is going to play a bigger role in the future, that com you know, service companies will get smaller? As so, that, yeah, as, I think as, yeah, you're going you're to run out of the, you know, I don't think, it, I don't think, I don't think you win at economies of scale. I don't think, you know, the, the organization mm -hmm. with the thousand technicians, you know, is going to be challenged because the organization that has 10 or five, if they're more nimble and they're more efficient and they're optimized, okay, they're going to be, they're going to be more price competitive mm -hmm. than the, than the larger entity. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, just look at the workforce. Which are, I, I mean, I haven't looked at the numbers, you know, recently, but how many people are working in the country, right? What's it? 160 million. Yeah. As of last year, 160 right? million. And, yep. And what's the average number of employees per company? I think the number, I, I, I believe the number is less than seven. Yeah, could be. We'll, we'll so, small, what, so what's that telling you? Well, I mean, small, it's, 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 small businesses are known to yeah. drive employment. employment. Yep. So if you look yep. at where, where, where jobs are being created, jobs are being created in small businesses, not large yeah. businesses. Yeah. Yeah. How many CEOs are there on LinkedIn? more than more than 2500 <laughs> that's on the stock market I mean, how, how, do you think 5g is going to change the way we oh, do business absolutely 5g is going to have a monumental impact i mean the edge computing aspect on, on being able to push out to the edge the distribution of data i mean think about you know four years from now you can be rest assured that i'm going to say 15 to 20 percent of the population will be walking down the street with glasses that have a display that's out in front of them in a virtual display looking at information that they need to act upon. 
I guarantee you that. Right? Mm. So you figure out who those companies are okay, that are building that technology. To, okay, and track them down. So you're, you're kind of you're, you're kind of talking. So you're kind of talking Google Glass, in in the sense Google, of yes. what it was, yep. what, the, the the philosophy of Google Glass. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Hmm. Full yeah. interoperability. To, so a human being is now more efficient and more effective what they're doing to make decisions. Yeah. All right. Well, we need to start to wrap up. Um, Mike, any last questions for Joe? No, I want to thank Joe for yeah. coming on the show. Joe, you have any last uh, items you want to add at, in closing? Anybody you want to, you know, any, any customers you want to talk towards? No, so, you know, I just, you know, again, thanks for uh, for reaching out. Um, you know, if, if any listeners do want to have a conversation or, you know, want to learn more about what C-Rite is as a technology, you know, please visit our website at C-I-R-I-G-H-T dot com. You know, again, I, I'll just, I'll, I'll close with the, you didn't ask where the name come from. So I have to, I have to, I have to answer that. So we were looking to change the name of the company, and I was studying uh, my second daughter's homework with her. And we were studying the clouds, and we had always been a cloud computing company, you know, we since day one. And uh, so, well, how do we um, combine clouds with insight? Because we've always provided this deep insight, you know, to data inside your information. And the Cirrus clouds were the highest clouds in the atmosphere, and we grabbed the word insight and. I checked the URL and it was available and then we trademarked it and, and the rest is history. So I think she's still looking for royalties on that. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I was going to say that's going to cost you yeah, that, some money. I think that was, that was college tuition, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she was. So our, our guest on the PSA podcast has been Joseph Callahan. Again, his site is com. C-I-R-I-G-H-T, com, And make sure you look up his TED Talk. Uh, it's fascinating. Uh, he talked about it briefly here. Sitting alongside of me in the studio is Michael McHale, and is, he is the CEO of Production Systems Automation. And your website is? PSASystems.com. So thank you so much for being part of the PSA podcast. I'm Marty Wolf. Till next time.